0: sit there and doodle and pin drawings up and stuff and I remember one time somebody said hey look at this (laughs) and it was my drawing on their skin and what they had done they took the drawing down off the the bulletin board and went and got it tattooed there was I would assume it was the shop down the street and I was like this is weird this is so weird like why would you do that you know like but also I was like this is kind of fascinating is this a future for me (laughs)
1: Hi, and welcome to Drinking With Creatives, where we drown journalistic responsibility in a pool of vodka. My name is Jeremy Berger, a filmmaker and editor, and each week I chat with a professional creative, have a few drinks, and chat about the topics they're currently facing. Tattooing has seen a cultural shift in recent years, going from the piece of art you keep firmly under the neckline to adoring the arms, hands, legs, and even faces of musicians and celebrities. With me today is artist extraordinaire, Stacey Martin, who has been navigating this shift with her signature style, filling her appointment book for months at a time. We had a chat about what this change has looked like, the value of hard work and how art is art, but it's business too. Take a look. Stacey Martin.
0: Jeremy Berger.
1: First question, most important question. What are you drinking?
0: Well, I'm not a beer drinker per se anymore but um, I had a friend bestow some fresh figs upon me from their fig tree. And uh, I pureed them and um, mixed that with some honey and dripping springs vodka and some soda. And that's what I'm drinking.
1: I'm drinking a beer. Just Uh a beer. Hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's a... I was going to say smoky, but that was the last batch. This is a spicy chocolate brown ale
0: did you make it i did make it oh that's exciting
1: it is it was a pain in the ass too cocoa nibs are hard to fish out of five gallons of beer i'm telling you it's crazy Oh my god! <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> there must so, be an easier way
1: uh i'm sure there is and i'm sure i was just doing it in the dumbest possible manner because that's just my learning process i just jump right into doing something i do it completely the wrong way and just fail on many different levels and then i've learned something
0: yeah that's how you learn i mean that's how that's how most of us should learn you know i mean it's it's a tried and true method Um, especially
1: when you're tattooing
0: oh yeah
1: yeah (laughs) well first of all tell us before because we are drinking let's uh begin uh our diatribe, our discourse, if you will, and tell everybody uh, who you are, where we can find you, and what you're up to.
0: Okay, Um, I am Stacy Martin. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm a tattoo artist at Red Stag Tattoo here in Austin, and currently not tattooing. And um, you can find me at StacyMartin.com. Or at Stacy Martin Tattoos on Instagram.
1: Let's talk about how you got started.
0: Okay, 2004.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I had well prior to that, I, I had um, people either bringing me drawings that we would pin up on bulletin boards. So like back at Syracuse, when I where I went to school, mm-hmm. um, we would have uh, we'd go to the coffee house. And there'd always be a bulletin board, and everybody would pin their drawings up there we'd sit there and doodle and pin drawings up and stuff and i remember one time somebody brought me well they didn't bring me anything they just said hey look at this (laughs) and it was my drawing on their skin and what they had done they took the drawing down off the, the bulletin board and went and got it tattooed there was i would assume it was the shop down the street from the coffee shop and i was like this is weird this is so weird like why would you do that you know like But also, I was like, this is kind of fascinating. Is this a future for me? (laughs) Right. Um, It had never crossed my mind a tattoo before that. Um, So that was one instance. And, you know, I've had other people suggest to me, like, you should tattoo. This was like maybe, you know, like 2002, 2003. I had some friends that were kind of dabbling in it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It still really didn't you know, appeal to me that much. But um, it's so hard for illustrators, because I mean, we're a dime a dozen. It's really hard to be able to support yourself on being a, a freelance illustrator only, yeah. you know, unless you score some just amazing gig for life or for a good chunk of time, or just like a long contract of stuff, or if you have an agent or something, which, you know, it. I don't know, like 22 years old or whatever it was. I was I did not have that much like professional anything under my belt really. Mm-hmm. Um so I was doing freelance illustration here and there, but you know, finally uh, I had a, a friend suggest he's like, "Hey, I know this guy, he owns a shop. You know, I'll introduce you to him." And I was like, "Okay." So, um I made my introductions. I had no tattoos. Um I very ignorantly asked, you know, like, um, how do I get an apprenticeship? Like, I didn't look into any of this. And really, there wasn't much on the internet. At that point, you know, I was at a really weird um, section in all of this where I feel like the internet and tattooing really exploded about maybe, maybe within like two or three years after I started tattooing. So I was kind of like on the cusp of things, and so there there wasn't a lot of information out there about it. Um, and the guy was like, "Do you have any tattoos?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> so that was my first step. Was okay. I'm gonna get a tattoo, and it was so weird, and it was so wild. And I mean, I don't want to say that it hurt because it kind of didn't because the first one you're just having such an out of body experience if you've never had one before that like you don't know what you're feeling Mm -hmm. um and i was like all right so i'm gonna pretty much like if you need a any shop help i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can around here and just kind of see if i'm into this and um they were like okay so i would work my day job i would uh pop over to the shop sometimes during my lunch Sometimes right after work, as soon as I finished everything up, I would bring them food. Um, I painted their sandwich board and signage. Um, I did a lot of graphic design, so I remade all of their business cards. I you know, typed up new consent waivers for them. I'd help them get sketches ready for um, for clients that they had later in the week or whatever. So I pretty much just made myself super useful, mm-hmm. super indispensable. <laughs> so they couldn't kick me out, right. basically. And, um, and then finally, when, you know, when I felt like enough time went by, and I, I felt confident enough and ready, I was like, can, can we do this? Can I, uh, can I apprentice? Mm. And, you know, the answer was yes. So I worked out an apprenticeship for about a year, and then um, started doing this full time professionally um, in August of 2004. So, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's like a nutshell. I mean, a lot happened, but I mean, apprenticeships are wild unto themselves. So Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, point A to point B, that's kind of how I got into it. And even as I started um, tattooing on humans, I was like, I don't know if I like this, (laughs) this is so weird. They're so squirmy, they're sweaty. Some of them smell weird. I don't know if I'm okay with this. And then somehow doing it day in and day out, like, you know, doing it a couple of times a day, drawing constantly, like this, it became easier. I became more efficient. I became faster. I started to develop a style, um, and then the shop that I worked at, which was considered a street shop, which means, you know, you get walk-ins, you get people, they get their paychecks, so like, let's go get tattooed, then go to the bar, or sometimes in the other order. You know, like the shop that I worked at started to turn into a custom tattoo shop, as I think tattooing started changing um, around the world at that point, when it started to become more acceptable when there were more you know women were getting more of a spotlight, uh, female tattooers were getting more of a spotlight both on TV and in periodicals and everything and in tattoo magazines and stuff so yeah it really it really kind of took off, and I started doing more custom work and then with doing custom work because there's a significant amount of time spent drawing the piece to fit the person's body to fit their criteria, Um, it just, it took longer. So we started booking people out. And then next thing you know, you're booked out like a few months, which is great. And then that just snowballs. (laughs) And it's just, I don't know, it became super lucrative. And then we moved to Texas from New York and then it just blew up. And I started doing tattoo conventions. I started traveling. Um, meeting more tattooers, getting invited to go out and tattoo at their shops in Chicago and LA and New York. Um, And that's pretty much it.
1: Growing up, we were constantly told if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day for the rest of your life. Mm. Whereas, yeah, I found the exact opposite to be true.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent there. Definitely. I don't, it's hard to explain for me um, because I'm not new at this. I'm definitely not new at it. Um, There's definitely tattooers out there that have been tattooing twice as long as me. I feel like I'm at this really weird kind of apex in my, in my career where, you know, it's been 16 years of tattooing and I definitely feel like not that I've peaked, but like, and I definitely do enjoy tattooing people. But like, I really want to start doing something else. I want to start doing something like I realize that it's been almost 16 years of drawing exclusively for other people, and I don't have any sketchbooks or doodles, or I rarely sit down and draw or paint for myself. Like, mm-hmm. when I would do a painting, it was because somebody asked me to be in an art show or You know, somebody needed a t shirt design or, you know, just like surface pattern design or something. So I would sit down and do that and it would be awesome and there would be a little bit of leeway. But honestly, like I don't have a body of work that's just mine. It's all walking around on other people.
1: (laughs) And it's weird. But you were just mentioning your love hate relationship. Did that start at a certain point? Like where? Cause you know, you just made it sound like the most exciting profession in the world. You get to travel and it blew up and it's lucrative and you're sounding like Indiana Jones, except with a tattoo (laughs) pen instead of a bullwhip. Like when did things start to maybe sour a bit for you?
0: Well, it's funny that, you know, you mentioned the do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. (laughs) Cause it, it, um, I, I, at this point in my life, I'm starting to realize that the level of productivity that I hold myself up to is kind of absurd. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I really want to start dialing it back. And I do feel like I've paid my dues. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I've put enough work and I've built up a great clientele and fan base. So like the people that follow me on Instagram, clearly I don't tattoo all of those people um I can't you know it's just like impossible I'm like one person but um they're fans of my work and not just it's almost a reverse of that when that person showed me the tattoo on their leg of my drawing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it's like the reverse of it people are asking like are you going to make a print of this design? Or, you know, um, are you going to make a collected book of all of your, you know, your tattoo designs and stuff? I'm like, this is reversing on me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying the idea of as much as I love people Mm -hmm. sometimes drawing on them, um, every day can be you know I mean it can there can be a level of stress oh. <laughs> involved in that and because I do it you know every day without a doubt often because I'm, you know I'm, I've got like a, a wait list and I'm, I'm booked up and everything there's I almost don't see an end in sight mm-hmm. and that to me is a little daunting like I don't like not knowing I don't like the unknown. I don't like kind of flying by the seat of my pants. I'm a very like calculated and planned out person, but also seeing like the next 12 months, like already accounted for, you know, with, you know, rough vacations and travel kind of penciled in, it was like, it was freaking me out a little bit. And I kind of wanted to, I mean, with the, freest profession you could be in i felt like i was locked in you know like i couldn't there was no wiggle room because of um the scheduling and everything so i think i want to take a step back from that and actually you know do some drawing work that's like in my head that i want to get out there and and really just try to market Um, the stuff that people really want without having to get into breaking their skin open to give it to them. I mean, and not nearly as expensive. Like, Hey, you got 15 bucks. You can have this super cute pin that I just designed easy peasy in like three days. You didn't even have to, you know, almost pass out to get it.
1: Yeah. No blood involved whatsoever. None.
0: None. And that sounds so appealing to me at this point. Like, my priorities have changed significantly since this started. Like, because I really, I was on autopilot, I think, before mm. this started. Um, and I was squeezing in these little side projects here and there. And now having, like, a full amount of, like, a full week worth, week's worth of work time to devote to it is, like, amazing.
1: Do you feel that you were the boss of your own offerings or an employee of them?
0: Um, I think, I think I thought I was the boss. Who's the boss,
1: Stacey? Who's the boss?
0: Who's the boss? Well, I, I definitely, I definitely am bossy. Um,
1: <laughs> That's not what I was implying. <laughs> it's not what I was implying.
0: But I definitely feel like, and you know, as far as the way I've built, the way I run, my my business whether it be tattooing or um creating uh and designing merchandise like i definitely am the boss but i'm also like i'm also very much so my employee <laughs> so i kind of have both hats on um and i'm because i you know i'm very hard on myself both as a boss and an employee like you know i think that's what makes it run though i really do like if i didn't have the amount of discipline and expectations of myself, I don't think that I'd have, you know, what I have to show, you know, it's, it's just how it is. Like I'm just, I have never, I mean, I can be lazy, but I am not a lazy person and that's Mm -hmm. both to my benefit and my detriment. So does that make sense?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you, uh, would you say that you would go work on your body of work? Do you know what's next for you? Do you know where you kind of want to steer the ship?
0: I'm friends with a lot of tattooers, but I'm also friends with a lot of entrepreneurs, both local and, you know, wherever they are via the internet, we, we talk and everything and and get together and chat about projects and stuff. But I, I both am friends with um and have collaborated with and have tattooed um, a few awesome people here in Austin that run uh, kawaii enamel pin companies and they do more than just enamel pins but that's their bread and butter and they're full-blown like super cohesive lines of um, accessories and they sell really well and they're all over the place like these guys have Um, I don't want to call them agents, but they're, like, rep reps that will, you know, push their work all over the place, and they'll have stuff in shops, you know, internationally, all over the country, and, you know, that's eventually, I think, where I'd like to be at, but at the same time, because I'm such a control freak, like, I'm cool with doing just as much as I can handle, because honestly, that's the perfect amount to survive on and still be comfortable with and still have freedom. Mm -hmm. So, but then with hanging out with them, like I've picked up on so many little tips and tricks, um, and just ideas. And we, we, man, we bounce ideas off each other constantly and, uh, and we like to collaborate with each other, which is like such great cross promotion Mm -hmm. Um, that it's just, Again, it's just kind of like this self-driving machine that, um, I mean, as long as you have other creatives around you that are, like, kind of pushing you to do this stuff, it's, and you're getting such a good response, like, I'm not going to want to stop doing this. So, um, as far as what I'm working on right now, um, I'm focusing on doing, like, um, very limited edition um, enamel pins and also lines of artwork that have, you know, different... How do I explain this? Okay, so for instance, I just released um, four different new print designs and they're all cohesive, they all go together and they're all very true to my style and what people would expect from me. And in addition to those, there are two enamel pins that also go um, with those designs. And on top of that, what I've also been doing, which was like a huge hit, Um, I've been making embroidery design booklets that are instantly downloadable. Um, They're just PDF downloads, and they're basically, they look like tattoo stencils. And um, people that are into needle arts, they just transfer them, and then they do what they want with them. So they can either embroider them onto something, they can do like a punch needle project with them. So that's been kind of like a huge hit over the last few months for me getting into that end of things too. So it really kind of is limitless, you know, what I can do with everything, but I wanna make sure that everything's cohesive and that I kind of do things in a limited edition, kind of collector's fashion so that things don't get stale for me. And that kind of pushes me to, to every three months or so have a brand new thing to launch with multiple things, that also go with it that people are probably gonna also want. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. You know what it kind of reminds me of actually? Uh George Carlin yeah. would do an entire tour, like a year worth of touring. And at the end of it, he'd take all the material that he'd done throughout the entire year and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> and then just write stuff fresh for the next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's super refreshing to do that. You know, it's really great to like I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm fortunate that I could like put these expectations on myself and like, and I don't think they're, they're, you know, asking too much either. And just, you know, it's fun for me to come up with like a brand new project. And it's like, where am I going to find the inspiration for this? What's influencing what's influencing this right now? What's trending right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I usually don't go too much with trends because they can be, they can be old, flaky things that don't last very long. Absolutely. Um, so I guess maybe classic trends <laughs> um, are more of the stuff that I get into. Well, let's
1: focus on that for a second, because I do want to talk about your style. Okay. Like, how would you define it for anybody who's never seen your style? Oh, and actually, before we even get into that, um, the pins, the embroidery, um, we can find that on your website.
0: Um, the link to the shop is um it's on my website. It's in the links in my Instagram. Um, it's super easy to find, but it's Stacy Martin com if you want to go straight to the Etsy.
1: Gotcha. And I will include that link in the show notes for the show. Thank you. Of course. But let's talk about your style for a second, because I feel like when you branch out from tattooing into the world beyond, shall we say, that it's really your style that people keep on coming back to. I'd like to be able to, A, have you describe that for people who can't pull up the website right now, and would also love to talk about how you got there.
0: Okay. Um, Well, let's see. I've always um, super-duper loved anthropomorphic food Valentine's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from, from like, like mid-century Valentine cards are ridiculous. Like they, I mean, everything has a cute face on it with cheeks and lashes, and it's all just like ridiculously adorable. Um, and also the cupid thing. So cupid dolls, if people are not familiar with them, are kind of a turn of the century phenomenon. Um, Rose O'Neill was an illustrator who basically designed them and invented them, and they were just these little mischievous cupids, so, but she coined the term cupie, spelled um, K-E-W-I-E, and those kind of took off as, um, they'd appear in all of her illustrations, they're kind of just like, morale boosters, you <laughs> know, they're just, like, just these, like, bean-bodied fat babies that were, like, they constantly looked like they just, I don't know, like they just knocked your glass off the table or something. They just are these little mischievous, adorable things. Um, and they've been made into dolls and like modern pop cultures adopted them. And um, there's a few different uh, collectible toy lines out now that are, they're basically cupid dolls, mm-hmm. but there's, they're themed um, and have like little themed hats and stuff like that. But um, I could go down a rabbit hole with those. So the Cupid doll thing mm. is, how did that start? Like, I never initiated anything. Um, I had a few people ask me if I would tattoo, you know, little cupies on them. And I did. And people were like, oh, my God, these are great. These are adorable. Um, could you make a David Bowie one? And I was like, well, I guess so, you know? And I basically like the very early ones kind of have like a different style to them but um, I would draw it and then I was like oh what if I gave this little Bowie one a little package you know because he's like because it's like Labyrinth Bowie and all you can remember from Labyrinth David Bowie is like the amazing package that he had (laughs) not to get like super weird and gross or anything but let's I have
1: no problem taking the rest of the show to discuss David Bowie's incredible Labyrinth package (laughs)
0: that's the name of my new band um <laughs> so
1: I just spit I beer out of my nose
0: <laughs> oh good see that's the reaction that typically people have when they look at my work too so that's that's a good sign we're good. Uh, affecting you um yeah so I did a little Bowie one and then someone else is like man can you do a little Joey Ramone one and then there was a Prince one and then it the just kind of I mean, and by do them, I mean tattoo them on people, which I did. And they really, I mean, those were like, I did a little Lemmy from Motorhead with the little, he's wearing like the quintessential cutoff jean hot pants that in that photo that he was in with the Jack Daniels bottle. I mean, it just kind of spiraled out of control to the point where I think people were trying to outdo each other. And pretty soon, the majority of the requests that I was getting was to tattoo whatever version. I mean, I've done people's family members as QBs. um, Like, you name it. It's just, you know, people's pets as QBs. Um, And it just, it went nuts. So it's, honestly, it's probably about 80% of the stuff that people ask me to do now. And that's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, as far as... The stuff that um, I'm currently putting out there, I mean, it usually does involve those in some weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because, man, the reaction that I get from both the client that it's on Mm -hmm. and the reaction that I get when I post it on Instagram and the reaction I get from my husband who doesn't giggle or smile or laugh easily at anything. I mean, these are like priceless reactions that I'm getting from people and it just fuels me to wanna do more of it. And it kind of basically is a beacon in the direction that I think I should be going in because this is the stuff that people really, really respond to and it really makes them happy and they really like it. And it's such a great niche to be in because even people that don't know what a QB is, if they're like a massive David Bowie fan, they're into this little thing. And that goes for almost all of them. I mean, I've done Ash from Evil Dead. So, like, horror fans have gotten in on this. I've been reposted, you know, by, like, uh, Misfits fan sites for doing little Danzigs. I mean, nice. it's... Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Like, you really... I really am kind of, like, tapped into all sorts of pop culture. And because of that, too, I've learned, like, a ton about things that I never thought i knew know <laughs> anything about, because I research the crap out of these things too to to try to get like all the little details right like I've tattooed so many tiny little weapons like on little comic book characters like tiny hellboy tiny uh oh who did I do little Abe Sapien all I can think of are like the Mike Magnola ones right now oh but, stop
1: it Mike Magnola. Yeah. you had me Mike Magnola.
0: <laughs> yeah so it's been I mean it's been a fun wild ride and that's really I feel like I I really enjoy drawing them so much, you know, and it shows. And I think that's why the stuff that I do gets the reaction that it does is because there's, there's a ton of love in there. Like I'm loving every minute of it from the research to the application to the posting it, you know,
1: but you'll never work another day the rest of your life.
0: Never right <laughs> <laughs> well That's I think I I, mean. I'm really good with you know I really need to to practice you know moderation and you know splitting my time well between I think both tattooing and doing this other stuff, because really you know i I'm, I'm good at both of them, so it's mm-hmm. not like one's be, one's being sacrificed because of the other, like quality isn't being sacrificed at all, whether I do one more or the other, it's just. My love is split evenly down the middle. I think that's okay.
1: Being polynamorous in the arts, I think is a pretty a okay place to be. It's only when it comes to relationship status that it begins to be problematic.
0: yeah, this isn't this isn't complicated status for me. So I mean, it's pretty good.
1: I forgot that complicated status was a thing on the social media until you just said it. Oh my. Well, talk to me a little bit about, you just said something about this being a beacon for you and the place that you want to go. And I'm just kind of curious because I never had that upbringing in the arts where there was a clear line of communication between the artists and their fans. Has that been something that's developed recently? And do you see it influencing you uh, moving forward?
0: Um, As far as the influence that um, my fans have on the work that I'm doing, is that what you're. I think it always does. I mean, I do, I'll occasionally put it out there if I'm really at a loss. Because one thing I do enjoy about tattooing is, you know, here's a problem. So you have to solve it. So it's like very, it's almost like the client's the art director in a weird way, but not really. Cause I mean, they, they really don't know about composition all the time Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff. But like, I like having a client that has a problem and I like figuring it out. And I don't like when people come in and they're like, just do whatever. I'm like the worst things that you can say to a person like me because I I am so into rules and and boundaries and parameters. Like I almost feel like those kind of put a certain kind of good pressure on me to be extra creative with stuff. Like specifically with like the QPS because people want such elaborate characters sometimes, and I have to figure out you know, within a maybe five-by-three-inch space how to truncate, like, an entire suit of armor and, like, tiny weapons or, like, tiny musical instruments and, like, you know, an entire, you know, showgirl costume or something. So I do... I don't even know if I'm answering the question anymore, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, they do influence me. I do really... I like listening to what people say. Sometimes we're already on the same track. Like mm-hmm. if I throw a question out there on Instagram, like, hey, what would you guys like to see me bring back? You know, cause sometimes I, you know, I'll once I sell out of something, like that's it, you yeah. know, that was it, it was limited edition. And a lot of times if I get a huge response from people that they want me to bring something back, that's enough people that say it. And if it's, if they ask me, even if I'm not asking, uh-huh. then that's a sign to me that like, okay, this is like, this will sell if I reprint this or this will sell if, um, if I remake this or relaunch this in like, maybe a different color way or, or in some other form. Um, but I, I do let them influence me because I mean, ultimately, I'm doing this for them. But at the same time, like, with the cute piece that I was tattooing on people, I think that can be straight up considered fan art. Um, there's a very specific set of people that are like super into that subject, where the stuff that I'm making is stuff that I don't think people know they like yet, but I know they're gonna like it. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I just I, I keep coming back to. Uh, did you ever hear about Michelangelo's snowman? What? Yeah. So Michelangelo had just gotten done painting the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, And once he gets done with that, he uh, gets asked by the Medici family of Italy and the Medici's I don't know how, you know, how much you remember about uh, Renaissance era, Italian politics, what have you but the Medici's were the most powerful family in the land, mm-hmm. shipping and importing, and they asked him this highly regarded regaled artist to build them a snowman. <laughs> No questions. He just did it. He just gets done creating one of the predominant iconic pieces of art that absolutely everyone in the world knows about. And then he goes right to the Medici's front lawn to make a snowman. So that's when people ask me at least about the role of the artist, I just kind of point to that and be like, it it falls somewhere between that. Making a snowman for a rich family or painting the Sistine Chapel. Somewhere in the middle of that is where we live.
0: I do agree with that a thousand percent. Yes, (laughs) I do. Like tattooers, I I think have, um, man, I don't, I don't like speaking on behalf of everybody, but in my experience, I should say, um, some of the tattooers that, and and myself included, you know, at times like, you know, we can post a million tattoos that we are super proud of that we drew that it's stuff that we want to do. And we really do feel like it's a signal or should be a signal to the general public that like, hey, see these, you know, 600 plus photos that you just scrolled through on my Instagram. <laughs> see yeah. how they're all cuties? Why are you asking me to do a realistic portrait now? <laughs> 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 there, There's like a, almost like a weirdness with that too, or like people that will insist that, you know, I'm sure there's like celebrity tattooers out there that like are these amazing portrait artists, but people want them to like, you know, tattoo some Roman numerals really tiny, like the size of a dime on their wrist or something. And it's just because of the name or something like that, you know, like that, that reminds me a little bit of what you were trying to say with. Trying to
1: say, but taking a very long way to get there. I do that sometimes.
0: Oh, I'm right there with you, man. I <laughs> I, I go so far away, I don't even remember what I was talking about initially. Like that's how bad I'm getting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> getting? I've, I've been that bad since birth. Oh God. <laughs> Yikes. So let me ask you: It's been 16 years now. Is there been, or maybe I should ask, what was like the biggest surprise you had about this industry that you found yourself in, and the path that you've taken to get here? What was the mm-hmm. biggest lesson,
0: maybe? Oh man. Um, I think probably one of the better things that I've taken out of this, this is such a good question, because I, I think I've learned a lot of lessons uh-huh. with tattooing. Um, and I can tell you one of the earliest lessons that I've learned um, about tattooing that is nothing like drawing on paper. <laughs> uh, please <laughs> do. No no matter what you're envisioning on a sheet of paper, as far as, you know, line work, color work, you have to also imagine that, what that's going to look like and the choices that you made are going to look like, you know, at least 20 years down the road. If you can't justify that that line is going to blow out and hide a bunch of detail in 20 years, like, probably should rethink that line. So there's a lot of like preemptiveness, like when I am, well, let me just tell you this, like tattooing changed my entire drawing style, probably within like a year's time, Mm -hmm. just from trial and error um, on on some people's skin. Like I I learned what, you know, you should and shouldn't do as far as the longevity of a tattoo goes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of tattoos that I think are gorgeous, But I can look at them on the internet and see that not only is that photo fresh, um, but I know that there are certain colors and nuances that are showing up in this fresh tattoo that in in five years' time are going to be gone. They're going to be lost, maybe even sooner. So the weird thing is with tattooing is that even though you are perfectly capable and can put line for line something that you draw on paper on somebody's skin doesn't mean that you should because one of the reasons they're paying a significant amount of money for this is because this is a permanent piece of artwork this isn't something that they're going to be able to sell or throw away you know this is they're depending on you to make it um look as perfect as possible like even years from now i mean there's age in tattoos after about you know, 20 years or so, thats inevitable. But you want to try to prolong that as long as you can for people. And I think that was probably, um, that's probably the major lesson that I had to learn is I had to basically relearn how to draw and how to look at color mm-hmm. and and how to pull it off in, in such a more minimal way, but still get detail across somehow. So there you go.
1: Stacy. we've gone through all my questions.
0: Yes, also do your taxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, are you speaking to me personally or to everyone else?
0: No, I'm talking to all the taxpayers out there.
1: <laughs> do your tax. I'm curious why that sprang to mind like immediately outside of the 15th is next week.
0: Oh my God, you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's just like one of those little jokes, like little little in the career humor i guess you know oh my
1: god you just gave me an insider tattooer joke
0: kind of i mean there's plenty of them and that's definitely not the best one but you know just i feel like i don't know like i'm very serious about my freelance career because this really is just freelance illustration we're just doing it on skin right you know and and I'm just, I I want it to be as legit as possible. I want to be able to qualify things for things like, you know, unemployment or, you know, other government benefits in case we have a pandemic. I mean, not that that's going to ever happen, but it's nice to be on paper and be legit with stuff. It really doesn't hurt that much.
1: This is a business after all.
0: Yeah, that's, I really do think that it makes a difference when it's treated as such and not treated as, you know, Just a quick and dirty way to make money.
1: Stacy, thank you so much for coming on today. I look forward so much to having you back.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. I can't wait.
1: Thanks, Stacy. For more, head on over to stacymartin.com. If you enjoy the show and like to support us, you can check out our Patreon at drinkingwithcreatives.com. Also, please consider subscribing or downloading on your preferred platform. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.